This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sector's podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by Destinations International. For most of us in the DMO space, we didn't go to school for this line of work. I mean, you can't get an MBA in destination marketing, or can you? CDME stands for Certified Destination Marketing Executive. It's the tourism industry's highest individual educational achievement, and the CDME program prepares senior executives to thrive in a constantly changing environment. The program focus is vision, leadership, productivity, and implementing business strategies. You can start or continue your professional journey, advance your career, and enhance your destination knowledge, skills, and professional credibility. To learn more about getting your CDME, go to destinationsinternational.org slash CDME. And now it's on to our show. Peggy Williams-Smith is a Milwaukee native and veteran of the hospitality industry who joined Visit Milwaukee as the company's first female president and CEO in 2019. Under her direction, the company has launched exciting, dynamic marketing campaigns to increase economic impact to the community and elevate the city's reputation. Peggy has deepened the company's local connections and developed a nimble team that is more responsive than ever to the changes within the travel and hospitality industries. This was none more apparent than during the pandemic when Visit Milwaukee became the go-to source for information for the hospitality industry and the industry's number one advocate on state and local levels. From promoting the city to the nation during the Milwaukee Bucks championship run to heading the city's bid to secure the 2024 Republican National Convention, Peggy's strategic leadership will ultimately result in economic gains for Milwaukee for years to come. Prior to her work at Visit Milwaukee, she worked for Marcus Hotels and Resorts for over 22 years, and she held leadership positions at varying levels throughout the division. Peggy is a proud mentor of other women in business and uses her free time to support numerous charitable causes. She resides in Milwaukee with her husband, Tim Smith, their niece, Jocelyn, and their Boston Terrier named Tito Fenway. I love that. Peggy Williams-Smith, welcome to DMOU. Well, thank you for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. Absolutely. First off, since the lifting of COVID restrictions, it has been fun getting to know you at a number of industry events. But I got to tell you that sharing an ice storm last month in Irving, Texas at the Board Leadership for Destination Symposium was something completely different. And thank you for being a part of our closing panel. Your board chair was inspiring in her remarks, and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on that session. Well, thank you. We, we really, really enjoyed being there. It was so amazing to be able to share our industry insider knowledge with my board chair and my incoming board chair, one who has nothing to do with our industry whatsoever. She's the president and CEO of an urban league. And then the other one who's very involved in our industry as the president of Summerfest the world's largest outdoor music festival. So, and it was obviously not what we intended to have to stay overnight an extra night, but it certainly was a lot of fun getting to um, spend that time with that additional time with everyone. It really was. I, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the famous quote by Prince before he went out into that rainstorm at the Super Bowl, And they said, can we do anything for you? And he says, make it rain harder. Right. And it was the same thing. It's like we sit back after the symposium and went, boy, that extra night with the ice was, it was kind of cool because everybody got to get a little deeper into the relationships 
And uh, I don't know, we'll, I'm not sure we're going to order up an ice storm for the next edition, but <laughs> we'll try. Anyway, it's been a pretty amazing three and a half years for you at the helm of Visit Milwaukee, but this past year has been absolutely sensational. So let's start with landing a very red event, the Republican National Convention, in a very blue city. How did your team bring that one home? Well, you know, it's definitely a collaborative community effort. When I started, we were in the thick of getting ready to host the DNC. And our mayor was the chairperson of the um, host committee for that particular event. And he had made several comments throughout that he was only interested in the Green Party and that was making money for Milwaukee and that he would welcome either political convention because of what it could do. He was actually still the mayor when this process started back in September of 2021 when I received the RFP. I gave him a call. I said, we got the RFP. You want to put in for it? He said, absolutely. A week later, I heard he was going to take a role as the ambassador to Luxembourg and he was doing ambassador training during the time when we went out to present to the RNC in Washington, D.C. I was fortunate enough to have a board member who's heavily involved in the Republican Party. He's been on the board of Visit Milwaukee since 2018. He said, you know what? I can round up people who can raise money. The three of us went out there, still in a pandemic, and we did the first initial pitch to the entire search committee. And they liked it. They liked it enough that they came back to us and said we made the top four in pretty rapid succession. So in the beginning of 22, I did a tech services tour with some of the folks from the RNC. And then we threw a big reception for them at their winter meeting in Salt Lake City. And then from there, they all came out to Milwaukee for three days of just immersion. At that point, Mayor Barrett was gone. We had a new mayor. He was interim mayor, Mayor Cavalier Johnson. And, you know, you can say my job is to do this. My job is to bring conventions to the city. I was doing my job. He was fantastic. Um, I am so incredibly lucky to have city and county leadership that understands the importance of tourism and the economic impact it brings and the jobs that it creates. I don't even have to give them speaking points. Every time they're on stage talking, they're talking about tourism. And I think that that authenticity showcased itself when the RNC Site Selection Committee was here and they were just so impressed with everything you know we had to offer in terms of our hospitality and what we would be willing to do as a city to make sure that their event was successful. That's simply amazing. And, you know, you're up against, as you said, three other cities. And so, you know, the whole um, negotiation, what is this community going to put on the table versus that community? And you're trying to outthink the other destinations. What was it like during that process? I mean, did you have a sense of how the other communities were going to try to outbid Milwaukee? Because clearly you had won the DNC four years earlier. And so you've got the cred. Everybody knows you could do it, even though the DNC in 2020 was obviously impacted by COVID. But the fact that another party had said, you got the goods, puts you in a really interesting position. Well, I think that that was incredibly helpful. A lot of the legwork had been done 
for a major political convention, which not many cities can say that they've created egress routes and security perimeters and how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that, managing a multi-million dollar security grant. So I do think that that was particularly helpful. The fact that it didn't happen was also particularly helpful. The last time there were back-to-back conventions was in 1972. And I don't know that they would have welcomed that. We are a blue city in a red state. And I think that's also incredibly attractive in this time of divisive politics. So I wish I could take all of the credit, but I definitely think that had something to do with it. I also know that we didn't focus on what the other cities had versus what we had. We just focused on what we have to offer. Much like I wish politics would happen right now, focus on what you can offer versus what the other person is doing wrong. I think that that really helped our case. There was a, a story of a city that presented during the winter meetings and they had a weatherman come in and just was off the wall saying incredibly horrible things about the other cities. And I guess that didn't really land well with the site selection committee. So I was glad we took the route of just talking about what it was that Milwaukee offers and not what it is that other cities couldn't offer. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that you've built upon the experience with the DNC Rick Antonson, former director of Tourism Vancouver uh, and now uh, raconteur and author, amazing, tells the story as he waxes eloquent about what's called the cathedral thinking concept. And anybody who's listening, when, when we're done, go to YouTube, type in Rick Antonson cathedral thinking, and you'll get the sense. But he talks about the fact that Vancouver won the 2010 Olympics but that wasn't the first time they had bid. They had bid in the 60s, they had bid in the 80s, and all of their bids built upon the bids that went before. And he says those people in 1960 were cathedral thinkers. They were thinking well in advance of trying to land the event in the 60s. They were setting the foundation to win the event in the next century, which is exactly what you've done. So very cool. You were also, this is, I I love this, You were recently named one of National Geographic's top destinations for travel. What goes into securing such a significant endorsement as National Geographic? Well, I think that, you know, any of the PR and communications folks on the phone will say that PR is a long haul. I've heard that since the minute I started with this organization from my team, and I have an absolutely fantastic marketing and communications team. They are young. They understand our business. They know the city. They are passionate, not just about Visit Milwaukee, but Milwaukee itself. And I think that lends itself to us being featured in some of these things. So we hosted the Society of American Travel Writers in 2021. It was originally slated to be in 2020. We all know what happened. So it moved a year out. We had some travel writers that were scheduled to come in. Some were calling probably stir crazy during the pandemic and said, you know what, I'd love to come in. I'm going to do a story. We had one such travel writer who was going to write a book. And, you know, that's a long haul thing. My director of communications could have easily passed that on to someone that worked for her, but she didn't. She took the time and she took this particular writer out in the city. Now, it does not hurt that we were in the midst of a championship run 
And even though the Bucks weren't playing in Milwaukee, we did have a viewing party, which just showed the vibrancy and the diversity that Milwaukee has to offer. And it just really allowed the city to shine. The city was so electric during that time frame. I was actually, um, during that week, I was at Destinations International. Thank you, DI, your sponsor. Oh gosh, where was it that year? It was in Baltimore. And we were at a bar and this is my first big DI conference because obviously the pandemic happened in 2020. So I am with peers from all across the city and the Bucks are playing on TV. And I hear people like, where's that? Where are they playing? And I was overcome with emotion. Just so proud to be able to say that was my city. And to be able to showcase that to a writer who felt so strongly that they wanted to pitch it to Nat Geo during the time frame that they were going to name their top 25 places to visit in 2023 was serendipity. And, you know, it all is due to the amazing marketing communications team that I have at Visit Milwaukee. They are just fantastic. So let's take this Bucks thing a little further because, and maybe you've got some background on this. And, you know, hey, I'm a Wisconsin guy. I'm a Bucks fan. I mean, but I can't remember the kind of electricity that I saw in Milwaukee that year in other cities. And maybe I'm just not paying attention, and maybe I was paying more attention because I'm a Wisconsin guy. But there is this area outside of the arena in which you don't have to have a ticket and get into the – you have to be there when they're playing inside, which, of course, is an amazing visual that is piped all over the world – through sports channels and news organizations. Was that part of the thought process when the stadium was being designed, that there was going to be this area that I I don't even know how many people it holds, but it's tens of thousands of people that can be there and experience the moment vicariously, but then send that image around the world? A hundred percent. It was immediately thought of that they were going to be an entertainment district, much like you see in other cities, power and light district, you know, all of those ones that are powered by some organization, the Bucks really wanted to create something like that right outside by Sir Forum. Um, you know, so it started with a few restaurants, a lot of locally owned and operated restaurants. Now we've got some national chains in there as well. They're about to open a brand new Marriott Autograph Hotel in May of 2023, which is just fantastic. It is going to be an amazing four-star, four-diamond hotel. It's going to be the official hotel of the Deer District. It's going to include a two-story VIP suite with a private entrance. They've got rooms with extra long beds to accommodate maybe some of those visiting teams. Who knows if that will happen? And they're basing the hotel. It's called The Trade. And it is where commerce meets craft. And you being a Madison native, the um, food company that they're bringing in is Food Fight out of Madison. Excellent. So it's going to be Food Fight's first foray into Milwaukee area. How cool. I hadn't heard that. That's great news. All right. Question number three. On a more internal note, you've really expanded the organization's visibility and support in the community. With no disrespect to the CEOs that went before you, Community and business support of Visit Milwaukee has skyrocketed over the past three and a half years. What changed in the Visit Milwaukee approach? Well, I mean, I'm a native Milwaukeean. 
I was born and raised here. I spent the um, 22 years prior to me being here in the hospitality industry in downtown Milwaukee with Marcus Hotels and Resorts. I have a husband who was also a Marcus Hotels employee for 35 years. He was started his career in sales. He was always incredibly close to the Bureau. Back then it was called the Greater Milwaukee Convention and Visitors Bureau. I happened to be at the Hilton when we opened the convention center, the Wisconsin Center, the time the West Express right. Center. At that point, we had a CEO named Bill Hanbury. And I'm sure anyone who's listening is familiar with Bill Hanbury. Yeah. He wouldn't remember me. I was a, you know, a wedding salesperson at the Hilton. But Bill, he understood what hospitality meant. He would be in the hotels. His teams would be in the hotels. They would be talking to our teams. And if the hotels were empty, he felt personally responsible for that. And that never left my husband's or my mind. As we went on in our careers, Tim took the general manager out. He went into operations. And I looked at this organization and knew that there was so much opportunity for us to really help to promote the city and be the cheerleaders for the city. And I was often told a lot of times when I was with Marcus, when I would be on panels, that I was an eternal optimist. And, you know, I feel like that's what my job is. If you're a yeah. salesperson and you're selling microphones and you have a microphone that goes out, you don't talk about the microphone that goes out. You talk about the microphones that work. And that's what our job at a destination management association is. It's to talk about all the good that the city has to do. Now, don't get me wrong. Every city has issues. Milwaukee has issues. I'm part of the fabric of the community. So I do work behind the scenes as a convener to help bring groups together to solve some of our biggest issues. But my job outwardly is to promote the city as a great place to live, work, visit, and play. And so has it been just the fact that you are very well known, very out there, very positive in your approach, or was it something that was more planned internally through, as you mentioned earlier, you got a great PR team. Clearly they're doing a great job externally, but also internally to make sure that people understand that Visit Milwaukee is present, is, is on the case, and is a vibrant and vital part of the success of the city. How much of it was your personality and how much of this was tactical? Well, I think there was a specific plan in hiring me. There was a search committee, there was a board chair, an incredibly supportive board chair who was instrumental in getting the expansion of the convention center, which will open in 2024, approved and, and moved along. And they said they wanted a different type of leader. They wanted someone who was going to be on TV, show the community what tourism brings to the community. And I built a plan around that. Now, the best laid plans, as you know, my plan was in the first 30 days to meet with every single one of my internal stakeholders. So all of my employees, because if they're not happy, then they're not happy selling the city. Right. And one of my best, best stories is one of our um, now, she's now been promoted to a sales support specialist. At the time, she was an administrative assistant. And she was very detached. And everyone told me that it, she probably wasn't going to be long for the organization. 
So in the first 30 days, I met with every single employee. I gave them 30 minutes. Many of them, it was the first time they had ever stepped in the office of the CEO. And I said, you've got 10 minutes to bitch about everything you don't like, 10 (laughs) minutes to tell me what it is you do, and 10 minutes to tell me how we can be better at what we do. Love it. And I think that this woman was a little skeptical. Here you go. You've got someone else who's coming in. But, you know, in the ensuing weeks, the COVID happened. And I am an incredibly an emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm also come from a publicly held company. So I know that I have to make moves quickly to ensure the future viability of the organization. So it was really, really rough. Well, everyone was at home working remote. My VP of of HR and I were in my office trying to figure out how we were going to make sure that the organization would move forward and then still carry on some of the initiatives that we knew we had to do in order to make the organization stronger um, at the outset of, of whenever this would end. And we, we did that. But every call over Zoom inevitably would end with me tearing up because I was letting go of people, their friends that they had known forever. And I think that that showed some emotional vulnerability that really allowed us as a team to bond mm-hmm. over the shared experience that we were all going through. When we came back, this particular administrative assistant, she saw the effort we were making in terms of being more inclusive, showcasing more than just the traditional tourism zones, going into the neighborhoods, bringing in diverse businesses. And she started to refer businesses. And I do something once a month with all of my employees, not all of them. Once a month, I meet with three to four for lunch where we can talk about anything. We can talk about your family. We can talk about what you don't like about your job, you know, what you think we need to improve. But it's an hour where I get a chance to meet with our associates. And at this particular lunch, she said, you know, Peggy, I want to tell you, I never felt like I was part of this organization. I felt like I came here. I did a job. I was not appreciated and I would go home. She said, people would ask me what it is I did, and I would not have that conversation. She's like, now I go into my neighborhood restaurants. I'm like, you have to join Visit Milwaukee. They're going to promote your business. And I feel like that in itself, if you've got the people who work for you out there talking about why they like being here, that just makes people respect the organization all that much more. Yeah. So cool. At great leadership. That's what it all comes down to. It's the human experience. I'm fascinated by the fact that Hometown Girl gets the ability to do what you do. And that resonates instantly far more than it does in many cases for, I don't want to say carpetbagger, but you know, somebody who comes from the outside and how much can they love this town? And, you know, I had the chance to run my hometown bureau first, but then had the experience of coming to a town that didn't know me, didn't respect me, didn't really know what they could expect. And yet I made it work. And, you know, I think it's the moment in time and it's the community that I think that you, you in Milwaukee just hit at exactly the right time. Because, you know, I was with a bureau earlier this week where the bureau has not been valued and has not been respected in that town for years. And they could not hire 
a local. That wasn't going to work because it would just be more of the same. They had to go out and find a pro who's done this before that people can instantly respect and go, oh, wow, we actually got somebody who knows what they're doing. And that whole community is just sparking right now because they've got, you know, new sheriff in town, new organization, new attitude, new everything. And it's going to work really well. So I think, you know, depending on the situation, uh, hometown versus expert from out of town can work, doesn't work. In your case, I think it's worked just perfectly. And so uh, congratulations to that. So let's get to your bonus round. So you tell me, and this is just so Milwaukee, you tell me that you still bowl and that you still are bowling at the oldest sanctioned bowling alley in America. Tell us that story and the heritage that takes you back generations of bowling. I don't bowl there anymore. I do play cribbage there. So I grew up in a bowling family. (laughs) My grandfather was the executive secretary, which is the CEO of what was then the largest sports organization in the world. It was the American Bowling Congress. So I grew up bowling. People who see me with my nails and my heels never believe that I was a bowler, but I always was. And I was up on a, in a league up until the pandemic. But the Haller House is the world's oldest sanctioned 10-pin bowling alley. They still have actual pin setters. And it is the third generation that owns it fourth generation now bartending and and managing it. And it is a place that is known throughout the world. It was named one of the best bars in the country by Esquire. It is amazing. And they do in between their bowling leagues, they do cribbage leagues. So it is eight cardboard tables set up in the bar where you come in and you play three rounds of three games of cribbage for six weeks. Winner takes all the money. And it is just an incredible, incredible representation of everything Milwaukee. It's in a traditional Polish neighborhood, traditional Polish owner. It's, it's fantastic. And that you're there all the time that just continues <laughs> to reinforce that you're the real deal, right? You're a Milwaukee girl. I am. I am a Milwaukee girl, yes. So let me just pull out because you ran through it really fast. You said that we still have pin setters. Correct. You mean live people pin setters, that this isn't a machine like we all know and and expect at a bowling alley. These are people that are setting the pins. They are. They're high school and college kids that come in. They stand behind the pins on a ledge. They jump down after you bowl so they don't get hit with the ball set the pins back up, jump back up. I love it. So many kids I know that were put through college by working at the Holler House. They celebrated their 100th anniversary in 2008. Marcy was the proprietor. Unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago, but she was this little four foot 10 spitfire of a woman. She would autograph people's butts. You didn't come in the Holler House without leaving your bra behind. Bras hanging all over the ceiling in 2008. They had to remove them. Now they're all back, now 15 years later. But it is an incredible, incredible place to go. And only one of many types of those places. We also have the oldest duck pin bowling alley in the United States as well here in Milwaukee. I tell you what, I love Milwaukee. We get there whenever we can because we're close enough to do that. 
and I've never been to Holler House. And so that is absolutely on my list for our next visit. I can't wait. Wonderful. Make sure you call me. I'll take you there. All right. Absolutely. It's a date. Peggy, thanks for all you do for Milwaukee, for the state of Wisconsin, for our sector. It's been fun to watch your transition from Marcus to the destination leadership world, and even more fun to get stranded in an ice storm with you and Irving. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, thank you. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers. This is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. And thanks, too, to our sponsor, Destinations International. CDME stands for Certified Destination Marketing Executive and is the tourism industry's highest individual educational achievement. CDME program prepares senior executives to thrive in a constantly changing environment. Program focus, vision, leadership, productivity, and implementing business strategies. You can start or continue your professional journey, advance your career, and enhance your industry knowledge, skills, and professional credibility. Learn more about CDME by going to destinationsinternational.org slash CDME. DMOPros.com is where you're gonna find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, position papers on board diversity, and a new model of destination development, our book, Destination Leadership, our blog, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus access to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.